Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today on This Week Health. Organizations the size of mine have to look at partnerships, have to look at new ways to be innovative and creative in moving the needle on healthcare. And one of those ways is investment in venture capital companies. And another way is partnering with other healthcare systems through this investment capable solution that we can bounce ideas around. Thanks for joining us on This Week Health Keynote. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a channel dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Special thanks to our keynote show sponsors, Sirius Healthcare, VMware, Transparent, Press Ganey, Sempris, and Veritas for choosing to invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. All right, here we are for the keynote episode. And if you're watching on video, you know that I have a Baylor hat on, a Baylor shirt on, and my daughter graduated from Baylor, so I am flying the colors. I am a proud graduate father. I'm looking forward to today's show. We're going to talk about innovation investments for small, mid-sized health systems and what they do with those investments to spark innovation. We have Jess Sturman, CIO, CDO, Memorial Health System, and we have Joel Vanko, CIO, CDO, Hartford Health. 46 days into the job, is that close? That's right. You're spot on. But all, you had a ton of experience at your previous role doing this, this very same thing. So gentlemen, thank you for, for joining us. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'd, I'd like to start with each of you talking about your health systems journey into funding the innovation investment. Maybe what was the spark for doing that? Where did the money come from? And, and how much we're talking about in terms of what's set aside to do this? And then later we'll get into what do you do now that you have the board commitment and the leadership commitment for this. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, we'll start with you. Yeah, great. Bill, always good to be here. Joel, nice to see you. So thank you, Bill, again, for doing this and hosting these, uh, these sort of sessions. I know we all, we all find them valuable in the industry. So Memorial Healthcare System, I know I've done this before, but six hospitals, South Broward uh, County of Florida, so Southeast, just South of Fort Lauderdale, North of Miami-Dade, we are a safety net public health care system approaching two and a half billion dollars in revenue. And like you said, mid-sized health care system in probably the grand scheme of, of our industry these days. And really, frankly, the ability for us to make investments like what we're going to talk about today and stay out in front of innovation is sometimes challenging. And so, especially for a public safety net governmental organization like ours. So our charter to some degree limits our ability to, to do some kind of uh, what I'll call innovative or, or ventures outside of what, what, again, I'll say is outside the four walls of our hospital system. And so we have an arm that sits over top of Memorial Healthcare System called Florida Community Health Network, FCHN. And FCHN's mission is actually purely an investment arm to serve the South Broward Health Care District. 
and that's Memorial Healthcare System. And so that investment arm allows us to make investments in a multitude of, of areas, whether it be laundry services, nurse staffing, technology, and we've kind of done that all. That in itself is a fund that lives on its own, has its own board, and sits again over top memorial. In addition, in the last year, we were able to participate in a digital healthcare only fund. And through investments from FCHN, we're funding that fund. So that is a focus for us to look at digital investment opportunities. And again, staying out in front of innovation. And I have a, a bias here, and I'm sure we'll get into this further, that organizations the size of mine have to look at partnerships, have to look at new ways to, again, be innovative and creative in moving the needle on healthcare. And one of those ways is investment in venture capital companies like what we've done. And another way is, again, partnering with other healthcare systems through this investment-capable solution that we can bounce ideas around, like with Joel. So I know we'll get more into that, Bill. We will. And we're going to talk about you know strategic investments versus more venture capital investments trying to make money outside of, because there's different models that exist within healthcare. Joel, you might bounce back and forth if I think about it. You might talk about your, since you're only 40 some odd days into your Hartford Health days, you might just talk about Baycare a little bit, but give us an idea of of how these things start and where the funding comes from and, and how it gets stood up from a governance standpoint. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, so just as you mentioned, Bill, prior to this 40, let's call it 50 days ago, I was at Bay State Health, which is a, a health system, five hospital health system, roughly 3 billion in Western Massachusetts. And you know, it, Bay State uh, is a really interesting environment. It's got its own health plan, commercial health plan, about half a billion uh, in revenue, roughly 200,000 um, members. And uh, we've got a medical school and roughly 200 or so locations across the, the, the Western part of Massachusetts. In 2014, the way that this started really was, was me going to the board and saying, having this one slide and said, what if, right? And the, the question was, what if we created a channel, an environment, uh, a platform where our collaborators internally, externally could work with us to solve some of the hardest problems that we face? And the hypothesis at the time was that the problems that we faced were very similar to what the average health system would face. So if it worked in our organization, it would likely work in, in other organizations, many of the organizations that are out there in the country, uh, like Jeff's organization, for example. And with that hypothesis, we sort of went on to, to, to say, okay, then how could we invite these organizations here? What problems could we try to solve? How do we involve the institution writ large? to be able to participate in what we would consider an innovation process and then how would it fund itself and so that was sort of the the, the question that, that created all these other questions and i had a, an idea in mind first and foremost to get funding from the state to get some capital funding to create an environment uh really capital to to, to develop a space where we could house individual um companies or or uh, individuals themselves who would want to uh, work on uh, solving these problems. From there, we ended up creating a, a process where we developed a sponsorship model 
where large organizations and or fairly well capitalized uh, startups, let's call it mid to late stage startups, could leverage our assets as a health system to essentially progress their product development, their startup idea, et cetera, and, uh, and sort of run it through its paces in a real live health system. And that was sort of the intention there. So we got capital from the state, roughly 10 million to open up this space and infrastructure associated with that space. We then had to also create a business model because that was part of the grant agreement was in terms of the operations and the expense of the of this new innovation space, you have to figure out how to make it solvent, run it over the next seven to, 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 to eight years. And that was what necessitated and created that, that, that model. And from there, what we ended up doing was really bringing in uh, startups, like I said, and we matched them up with um, champions in the enterprise who had problems to be solved. Physician burnout, patient engagement, analytics problems and models to be solved so that we could have you know next best action for clinicians and our patients supply chain issues. So those are th- you know problems that we had identified. And as, as, as we saw this progress over the course of the, the next several years, the other thing that we realized was that we were also uh, creating a process that would help us filter out all the noise that we were starting to see. Because from really 2015 up till now, it's like the market is, is, is really a frothy market, right? You've got a whole bunch of startups uh, that are being capitalized, funded, et cetera. And there's like a dozen of everything for every problem that you want to solve. And so this allowed us also to filter through that and work through those problems, identify those organizations that would really help us uh, solve those challenges. And that's really the process that, that, that we undertook. That then led to, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this, this notion of, well, how do, you know, how do we get a piece of, of the action? What are the things that we might want to do to, to create an infusion of funding to, to fund the pool of startups and or innovations that we're starting to see come through our innovation center, which again, is, is called TechSpring. And that was what we called it at Bay State. And, and that led to partnerships with some, some VC firms and, and also um, sort of a more of a local kind of investment capability that enable us to also fund some of these uh, these programs and projects. So that's a lot to say that that to, to go through the history, but it was it was really about solving problems initially and innovation turned into solution development and, and real benefit to the health system. And then we created uh, at some level an accretive process that benefited the organization. So getting to the heart of it, because we have incubators, we have accelerators, we have VC, we have strategic, we have a bunch of things. But I think the question I want to ask to get to the heart of it is, what would define success for your innovation program? So Joel, we'll come back to you real quick. What would define success for the, for the, the work at Bay State? So the success for us was really, particularly at, at, the, at the time we initiated the, our innovation center was, could we solve the problem at hand? So um, it's, it's strategic solutions to the problems that, that Bay State was experiencing. That's right. We, we didn't have our eye on, could we make money on this, right? That wasn't the initial intention. I'll give you an example of a great company that came through early on, Careport. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that company, right? So they were, they were eventually bought by 
well investments and uh, for it was like 1.3 billion or something like that don't quote me on i think it was 1.3 1.5 billion but you know we were looking at partaking in a sale of that company and didn't think that it was something that was like a, a google like investment it was more of could it solve our problem on the post discharge and subacute uh, transition of patients and it solved our problem and it solved a lot of other organizations problems and that created you know this i think snowball of you know real value and benefit but i could name another a, a half a dozen yeah. others that were the same thing so but that would define success it's solving strategic problems that you guys had all right we'll get back to our show in just a minute I want to tell you about the podcast that I am the most excited about right now that I am listening to as often as I possibly can. And that is the town hall show that we launched on the community channel, This Week Health Community, and it airs on Tuesdays and Thursdays. What I've done is I have essentially recruited these great hosts who are coming in and they're tapping people in their networks and having conversations with them about the things that are frontline kind of stuff. So it's it's technical deep dives, it's hot button issues, it's tactical challenges, it's all the stuff that is happening right there where you live on a daily basis. We have some great hosts on this show. We have Charles Boise, who's a, a data scientist, Craig Richardville, Lee Milligan, Reed Steffen, who are all CIOs. We have Jake Lancaster, Brett Oliver, who are CMIOs. We have Mark Weissman, who is a former CMIO and host of the CMIO podcast, and now a CIO at Title Health. And we also have the incomparable Sue Shade, who is fantastic. And I'm, I'm really excited about the fact that she's tapping into her network and having some great conversations as well. I'd love for you to tune into these episodes. I am learning a ton myself. You can subscribe on our community channel, This Week Health Community. You can do that on iTunes, on Spotify on Google, on Stitcher, you name it. We're out there and you can subscribe there and start having a listen yourself. All right, let's get back to our show. Jeff, what, what would define success for your program? Yeah, I think it's a multiple levels of success. So one, like Joel said, obviously the strategic value is of most significance. What's going to move the needle in terms of patient care? I don't have the organizational setup or like even the financial wherewithal to set up a what I'll call an innovation center. So we have really leveraged the relationship we have with our venture capital firm for two reasons. One, to help set up a level of innovation and really, again, move that needle from a whatever the need is. And two, investment. So really, I don't look at it as much as the investment opportunity. I know my organization and certainly FCHN, as I talked about previously, looks at this purely from an investment standpoint. So success for us would be, I get to vet all of these various companies that come through the VC, figure out which one of those is gonna fill a gap or need for me at Memorial, help to implement, even sometimes be an early adopter of those solutions, because many of these companies that get introduced to the VC is an early stage, in early stage of their evolution. So we'll help them develop their product. We'll help them then hopefully build that business case and recognize the value that it can bring to Memorial. 
as Joel said, my hope is that through other partnerships, other healthcare systems that are vetting this, these solutions with me and the VC, that we're all moving down a path of similarity. And likely, whatever's going to work well for me is probably going to be equally applied to other healthcare systems. So I think these things can take off. So from a success standpoint, it's clinical, it's quality, it's financial, and it's certainly the investment side of things. You know, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go next. I, I, want, to, I want to discuss how health systems work together. I want to discuss how you de-risk some of these solutions. Let's start with this, though. It, it sounded to me like you were saying early stage. And when, when I had the innovation fund at St. Joe's, we were focused on strategic investments that helped us deliver care. And the, the, the thing about that was the, we generally used that money to solve problems that people weren't solving yet. Right. So it was, it really was early stage companies, people with really smart ideas, really brilliant. And they were sort of playing around, but, and, and we brought them in and then we provided them guidance. We connected them with our people and said, no, 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 this, you have to understand the business model. You have to understand these things. And then they would build out these solutions that would eventually create value. So we were dealing with really early stage companies trying to solve things back in 2015, 16, like, AI and, and ML and those kind of things back then, because we, we saw the trend, but it wasn't going to be something where we were going to go out, out and buy a tool in 2015 that was doing machine learning and AI, but we wanted to get, we wanted to get there. Are you guys predominantly looking at early stage or are there other, other types of companies you're looking at? I think this is what distinguishes the, let's call it the small to mid-sized health systems and the really large ones. Bill, is that for us, well, when I was at Bay State, the margins were razor thin. And so to be able to, I don't want to say experiment, but get into something that is maybe five years out was, was not something that Bay State was interested in. So, it was really yeah, something that, that was, you know, could, could you make, could you help me with my discharge or my, my ED throughput? In the next 12 months to, to 14 months. And they're midst, and that's why I use sort of the mid-stage, late stage kind of company model, because uh, we knew that those individuals maybe already had a series B, they had some funding to put in, they had a, maybe a couple of customers, but they needed somebody bigger, and they could solve our problem within the next you know six to eight months or at least start to, to tackle it. So that that was for us what differentiated our our identification of those innovators and because they're at series b and whatnot they had longevity you you knew they were going to be around yeah just... and that's right and we and i mean we we dabbled in some of the early really early stages where where they were they didn't even have they had friends and family and and i wanted to see what that felt like and some of them were so early and so on the edge bleeding edge that even the folks that i saw had problems that this could be solving couldn't understand or wrap their head around how they could use it to solve their problem. And I, I don't want to sound disparaging to a small health system or a community-based health system, but they didn't see it the same way that let's say uh, a Mayo or well, some of the- Yeah, the number one thing I always say to people when they say smaller health system versus a larger health system, what's the biggest thing? It's like, you can't make as many mistakes. Yeah, I mean, your, your investments have to be good investments. So you're not, you're maybe not taking the risks that a larger health system is going to take because they can absorb those, at least they used to be able to absorb those kinds of risks. So 
And Bill, we see it similar to the way Joel described it, but also we look at this as, look, we're not, we're not doing a lot of bleeding edge investment, meaning these are startups and unproven in, in a sense of function, functionality. I mean, sure, there's a lot of startups we work with, but these are kind of almost table stakes for us now in the industry. And there's so many cats and dogs out there. I'll give you this example. So remote patient monitoring, everyone, every healthcare system wants and needs probably to be doing some level of remote patient monitoring for chronic disease conditions, for primary care, for value-based care population health requirements. And all that makes sense, but there's so many vendors out there in the marketplace. So how do you figure out which one you wanna play with and how do you wanna move the needle again, quick enough and in, in a smart manner? So we worked with a very early stage company in the remote patient monitoring world. And I say early stage because they don't have a lot of experience doing this at a 20 different healthcare systems. They're working with three or four, which will build integration with our EMR and have, we've already done that. And so in a lot of ways, we're putting them on the map and proving the case study around what they can provide. And we'll help evolve that company. It's early stage for them in the sense that they're early in their technology footprint. They're early in their investment. It's not early from an industry standpoint of RPM. I mean, RPM has been around for a long time now. So it's that sort of investment that we're looking at, not necessarily leading edge technology. Talk to me about how health systems work together. From time to time, I, I hear these stories of how health systems are working together to sort of de-risk some of the things that they're doing. And, and one of the ways we de-risk is multiple health systems using the same solution provides that that base to know that that company is on solid footing. Uh, Jeff, I, why don't you start with that one? How, how can health systems de-risk and how have they worked together? Yeah. And so, I mean, and some of the folks that maybe will even join us on this call later on, we'll see. We, we've worked great with healthcare systems and candidly, I, again, I believe that healthcare systems have this kind of collaborative way about doing things that a lot of under, other industries just don't have that in their DNA. And so I look at this as I, I got a lot of smart people at Memorial, but Joel's got a lot of smart people at Hartford. Chad has a lot of smart people at St. Luke's and the list goes on and on. And if we can pull together all of these resources to vet information, to look at where we can actually do things in similar fashion. Because I know we all think we're different, but the reality is how different is my healthcare system and the delivery of care from Joel's up, up in the Northeast, even though I'm in the Southeast. And I would venture to say that we're not all that different. I think there are some nuances, obviously, to geography, um, but in large part, how we're going to treat someone with the same chronic disease is should be... Um, based on best practices and protocols that we all can live by. And so I think that level of collaboration and partnership actually is exactly what we need to do. It's where I see the biggest value. I mean, yes, we're talking to you, Bill, today. I think so much of your audience takes information from this and learns from it and applies it. So what we're suggesting as part of the fund that we're part of is actually creating this kind of coalition of resources that we can bounce ideas around with and help prioritize because no one has enough money to do everything they want. So we really need to have those ideas explored further. And again, frankly, we're not gonna 
be able to compete with, you know, some of the big payer organizations and probably some of the more innovative companies out there like Apple and Amazon and Google. So just staying out in front of this stuff, I think requires us to really combine forces. Yeah, or even the UPMCs and the Providences right. of the world. I mean, exactly. the, when they have 50 people just to the investment side, it's exactly. you, you have a team to, to vet it. Uh, Joel, I, I, I think I was talking to, if I'm not mistaken, I, was, I think I was talking to Tressa Springman, and she was talking about how you guys collaborated and that kind of stuff. So you, you have some stories on this collaboration as well. Yeah, I had this idea of creating what I called a an innovation a network for small to mid-sized health systems. And, and so we did an experiment with Tressa LifeBridge. She's a wonderful CIO at LifeBridge, very innovative. And, and so we stood up a TechSpring instance at LifeBridge and we called it TechSpring at LifeBridge. And the idea was, well, actually she called me and she said, hey, Joel, I'm really interested in what you did with, with TechSpring. Can you help us do that here at, at, we're interested in doing that at LifeBridge. And so I said, how about we try to an experiment and, and we help you accelerate your uh, innovation center and process and culture. And we'll give you our, our secret sauce. Cause it took us two and a half years to really get the cycle of everything from legal to compliance to process and, and bringing folks together, et cetera, and getting a pool of innovators anyway. And that's a long story, but the short end of it is, is that we ended up creating that instance. And what we attempted to do was, was share in, in the pool of innovators who would solve problems that were very similar to us. And sometimes what was interesting was we might not have the, uh, the appetite to take a risk on a particular you know, startup, but we knew that, or at least many of us on the uh, informatics and technology side knew that it could solve our problem. But Tressa and her champions and her clinical champions or business champions were like, yeah, that's something we want to use. So we ended up seeing kind of a, a cross-pollination or, or a trade, if you will, of, of vendors that we would bring in that we thought was were, were great, but we didn't have the appetite to maybe test it out and she would do it instead. What I had envisioned was a larger consortium of sorts where we would have those types of similar sized institutions. And to your point, de-risk certain investments, whether it's a straight up investment in buying that product over time, or if you actually had a, a venture fund with maybe this consortium of, of, of mid-sized institutions, you could identify products that, that were ready to go and, and get further invested and, and expanded, or you could identify ways for them to improve their products. And so I, I, we got as far as LifeBridge and then the pandemic happened. And so then things didn't go further. But, uh, but that, I think, is still something that's was quite necessary because we do, we do see large institutions doing this, right? The obvious of the world are, are doing it with large institutions, but not the small, mid-sized health systems like uh, the ones we're talking about here. Yeah. What's interesting, people are going to sit here and go, why, don't, why aren't the two of these guys talking? And the reality is you guys just met. I mean, you, you knew of each other and, and, and run in the same circles, but you just met at the beginning of this call. But you're both talking about the same thing, essentially, is... There's, there's, a, there's value in bringing this group of people together, either under a fund, like, like you're talking about, Jeff, or, or essentially some sort of consortium. And as you said, I, I think Avia 
Avia used to do this. I don't know if they still do. Their their business models has changed a lot more. You're right. Yeah, it's it's morphing a little bit. But back in the day, that's what they used to do. They used to run these things for. I mean, because that's what I was a part of Avia, and they used to run these. I forget what they were, were but essentially, four or five health systems were all looking at a nurse call system. Not a nurse call would be too easy, but some sort of digital solution. We'd all get on the line. We'd vet the various things, and then Avia would essentially run the process for us and come back and say, based on the criteria, this is, this is what makes sense. And then as a health system, we had a choice to make then maybe our team didn't like the, the number one, one, maybe we like the number two one, we can invest in the second one or the first one, but there's value in, 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 in coming together. I, I think people think that there are, there's that you guys just naturally get together. Is, is there not a group yet that just, gets together of these, I know the CIOs get together, but what about the, the, the digital officers or the investment officers? Is there a group that naturally gets this group, gets that, those entities together? It's a great question. And I would say no. And I know Jeff agrees with me. I, I think there are some small pockets, some, some small groups, and, and I think we've attempted to do it in our own ways, but yeah, there's not been really a, kind of a, a, a function that's that sort of brought these organizations together. Uh, well, there, I mean, there are obviously, like I said, pockets and small funds that are bringing folks together, but um, not like some of the bigger ones that I've, I've seen. I was going to use an example for you, Bill. The folks down at, uh, in California, the Innovation Institute. Yep. Those guys, Stofko, was a great guy. But I, I think about that model. And I think about the institutions that are in that model, and they're the biggies, right? They're the they're the ones that are in the fifteen billion dollar range of, of revenue. There's still not a, a fund or a, a group like that for the three to to eight billion dollar organizations. And I'll be honest with you, I've had some discussions with with funds that um, are 100, 150 million, 200 million, and I, I float that by them. And they're interested, but you know, I can never really get them to sort of help me figure out how to how to really create that kind of group that that has what I would consider some leading edge, small to mid-sized organizations who could really, I think, hit the ground running with these products. What what you both describe and Bill, what you really describe is exactly what we hope can turn out of this, what I'll call this innovation council as part of this VC investment that we've made here at Memorial. Because we would love, and we already have probably three or four, I think we have four healthcare systems participating as LPs in this and investment coming from multiple sources as Memorial's made this investment. And it's, it's at the end of the day, not a huge investment over a period of time, but it's, it's putting real money in play here. And so again, we look at this as the investment opportunity I look at it from the partnership of innovation opportunity. So if I can get Joel and Joel, you and I should talk after this call to be part of that. I'm going to trust a lot more that we're getting the right source of knowledge in these sort of discussions to vet solutions and make sure these are things that make the most sense for our industry. There's just, and again, one of the benefits, a big benefit is that this venture capital firm that we're working with are People who've been in healthcare and technology for a very long time, they know this space and they have the expertise and the resources to do a lot of the vetting for us. So I love that. 
Yeah. The next question I think is, what's your learning so far? If you had to share one learning, somebody just got the CDO or or investment innovation officer title, what's your one learning in, in putting these programs together? Jeff, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think we said it earlier. I think you got to always be focused on what's the issue that you're trying to address. So what level of strategy, what's the, what's the focus? If you go down this path of trying to solve everything, you won't solve anything. So be very focused on what you're trying to solve and make your investment in those areas. Because again, as Joel said it, and I said it a couple of times now, if you're going to solve a particular problem for your healthcare system, that likely can be extended to many, many others. So you're going to make money at the end of the day, which is always goodness, I think. But better than that, you're going to take care of a particular need for your healthcare system. Yep. How about you, Joel? Yeah, I, I would agree with Jeff and figure out what the problem is that you're trying to solve, get champions. And the other thing is, is that innovation is, is not just sort of throwing caution to the wind. There's a process. And that process evolves over time. Uh, that process includes some things that are, are just absolute basics like, you know, compliance and legal. But then there are the things that, you know, I think as IT professionals, we also have as a, a strong foundation, it's project management, it's development of whatever you want to call it, an SBAR or a problem statement, a charter, uh, managing that project. And then understanding change management and adoption, because one of the things that these, these companies don't really understand, especially when they're startups, is how, how do they really adopt or get their technologies adopted? It's one thing to say, I'm going to solve this problem, but there are so many pieces of the workflow that they don't take into account and in other technologies. They don't realize that it's hard to actually change the workflow of, of a clinician or even, even an administrator and health system. They need assistance and coaching on, on, on how to really adopt their technology as good as it may be. And I think those are the things that, that, that we've uh, realized over the, the course of our, our run. Bill, Bill, I'll leave you with one other final thought, maybe. On the innovation side, not the investment side, but the innovation side, and it's probably overused, but I'll say it anyway. We all have to take some risks. We all have to figure out and take some bets. But when you do, especially in healthcare systems, as you alluded to earlier, like my size, those bets have to be done quickly and therefore fail fast. Don't be afraid of failure. Failing is how we're actually going to learn and how ultimately we're going to innovate. But just fail fast enough, right, so that you can get to the next opportunity. Anyway, thank you, Bill. Absolutely. Hey, I want to thank you, too, for sharing your experience in this. Really appreciate it. And if people want to reach out to you, they can... They can find you or they can reach out to me and I'll, I'll connect them with you. So again, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. What a great discussion. If you know someone that might benefit from a channel like this, from these kinds of discussions, go ahead and forward them a note. I know if I were a CIO today, I would have every one of my team members listening to a show like this one. It's conference level value every week. They can subscribe on our website, thisweekhealth.com or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, everywhere. Go ahead, subscribe today. Send a note to someone and have them subscribe as well. We want to thank our keynote sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Those are Sirius Healthcare, VMware, Transparent, Press Ganey, Sempris, and Veritas. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.